From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. I'm Graham, VK4BB. This is WIA News for week commencing October 25. Four DX hams killed in plane crash, three electrocuted installing ham antenna in Florida. WIA President VK3KI reports on IARU Region 3 conference, Jota a success, G5RV's logbook cells, sunspots and tree rings, all up and coming in this edition of WIA National News, October 25. It's with great sadness we have to inform the amateur community of a tragic accident Thursday morning, 6.30am Eastern Standard Time. The C6 APR team, Pete W2GJ, Ed K3IXD, Randy K4QO and Dallas W3PP were all killed as their aircraft crashed on takeoff from Somerville Airport, South Carolina on their way to Crooked Island, Bahamas to operate in the CQ Worldwide Contest this weekend. The plane had only climbed to about 150 foot before something caused it to make a sharp U-turn and then crash into a wooded area near the Somerville Airport. The twin-engine Piper PA-23, which seat six and was built in 76, was engulfed in flames when firefighters arrived at the scene. Our thoughts are with their families in this tragic time. WIA News thanks VK3FZ, VK3FRS for sourcing this news. And the bad news keeps on coming. Three electrocuted installing ham antenna in Florida. You just have to be careful of what's up in the air as you're installing antennas. As you listen to this next clip, which is a genuine 911 call, there is no way that you cannot be moved. Um, we were trying to put up an antenna in the backyard, and my brother and my mom and my dad were holding it down, and, and um, something happened and something went off, and now they got electrocuted and they're all laying on the ground, and it's still... Like three hard. people down and they were electrocuted? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, give me just a second. I've got some help on the way already. There's three people on the ground here unconscious. The family was putting up the ham radio antenna for Melville's mother. She uses it to talk to family members in Jamaica. Fox News Orlando went on to report that FCC records do not show that any of the victims were licensed amateur radio amateurs. They do, however, show a license issued to a Barbara 10 KJ4KFF at the address where the electrocutions occurred. Authorities say the family was attempting to raise the antenna mast when they lost control and it struck an overhead power line, making contact with 13,000 volts down through the antenna to the three that were holding it. This appears to be yet another case of those trying to put up an antenna, not realising the potential danger of nearby overhead high-tension electric distribution and the fact that these wires were all but invisible at night. NERG's latest club newsletter has pointed out that from November 9 there will be some important changes to the Victorian road safety rules about using mobile phones and visual display units. While these don't appear to affect any rules regarding the legal use of two-way radios whilst driving, some amateur radio equipment is starting to look a heck of a lot like mobile phones or GPS navigators, so it's probably best not to use them whilst mobile and avoid attracting too much attention. Notes regarding phones and visual display services and other rule changes can be found on the Vic Roads website. CQ Jamboree, CQ Jamboree. This is Victor Kilo 6, Sierra, Charlie, Sierra. Call CQ, in CQ, CQ Jamboree. Jamboree. This is Victor Kilo 6, Sierra, Alpha, Alpha. Lots of good reports coming in of the Jota last weekend. Her Excellency, Ms Quinton Bryce, AC, Governor-General of Australia, Chief Scout and Patron of Girl Guides Australia, addressed scouts and guides in a message which opened the annual jamboree on the air and was broadcast across these, the WIA news stations. I now declare the jamboree on the air and the jamboree on the internet for 2009 officially open. Your Excellency, on behalf of scouts and guides around Australia, thank you for your words of encouragement 
and for opening the Jamboree on the air and a Jamboree on the internet for 2009. This brings to a close the national broadcast for Jota Jyoti. This is Bob, VK6POP, saying 7-3, and good luck for Jota Jyoti. Jota Jyoti involves some 10,000 scouts and guides in Australia and about 500,000 worldwide, giving young people an opportunity to meet and learn about scouts and guides in other parts of the world. The amateur radio station of the World Scout Bureau was active from Geneva on all shortwave and VHF bands during the Jota weekend with the Bureau's call sign HE8S. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, José. Good afternoon, Ezekiel. Salut, Lamine. Uh, dear friends, je vais commencer en anglais et après je vous parlerai en français. As every year on the occasion of the Jota Jyoti, you have been part of half of a million scouts coming together over the airwaves and through the internet. On behalf of World Scouting, I thank you all very, very much, volunteers and young people from all around the world for having shared a real spirit of brotherhood and cooperation. I'm speaking to you from the radio station of the World Scout Bureau in Geneva, where we have registered contact with more than 50 countries during this weekend. Now on WIA National News, our president, VK3KI. Last Friday week saw the conclusion of the IARU Region 3 Triennial Conference in Christchurch, New Zealand. Each of the three International Amateur Radio Union regional organisations, with the regions matching the ITU regions, holds a conference every three years. The conference becomes the meeting for the national amateur societies such as the WIA and the other national societies of the region and the representatives of the two other regions and the IARU officers. The WIA participates in the IARU Region 3 conference because it is the way that the WIA can participate in the formulation of the policy of the IARU, the representative of the amateur service at the regional telecommunications organisations and at the ITU. In a broadcast, I can't go through the many matters discussed over the four working days of the conference. I can give you an indication of the breadth of the discussion by telling you that the focus of this conference was the protection of our bands through the IARU monitoring system, what we in Australia call Intruder Watch, and emergency communications. Why is Intruder Watch important? Because without complaint about an intruder causing harmful interference, it may be claimed that there is no breach of the ITU radio regulations, which allow a station to be placed anywhere, so long as it does not cause harmful interference to a station operating in accordance with the ITU's radio regulations. It was agreed that there was a need to update and modernise the monitoring system to effectively deal with intruders causing harmful interference in the amateur radio bands. The other major matter was the role of amateur radio in emergency communications. The conference commended the Indonesian society, Orari, and its amateurs, and the Chinese society, CSRA, and its amateurs, on the role that they had played in Indonesia and China after major natural disasters. The conference considered the concept of emergency centre of activity frequencies and adopted 3.6, 7.11, 14.3, 18.16 and 21.36 MHz. Among the many other matters considered 
where matters affecting the amateurs on the agenda for the next ITU World Radio Communications Conference, the WRC in 2012, particularly the agenda item dealing with the allocation of a small secondary segment to amateurs around 500 kilohertz. In addition, the matters included ARDF, better utilisation of all allocated amateur bands, BPL and PLT, EMC, visitor licensing, including the Australian class licence, liaison between societies and their radio administrations, operating standards, various projects together with support for the development of amateur radio in the region, the New Zealand KiwiSat satellite project, the Beacon project, various matters affecting the 7 MHz band, including the footnotes to that band, future financial implications and the budget for the next triennium. The NZART was praised for its hospitality and efficiency as the host society. The next IARU Region 3 conference will be in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam in late 2012. No more restrictions on retaining a VK9 callsign and location indication in VK9 callsigns abandoned. Earlier this year, after it had taken over responsibility of recommending call signs, the WIA raised the question whether the conditions imposed by the ACMA on the issue of VK9 call signs for Australia's external territories continued to be appropriate. In particular, the policies of requiring the call sign to include a letter as a location identifier and the bar on retaining a call sign were questioned. The WIA consulted widely, seeking submissions on the issue and ultimately submitted to ACMA a report on its investigations and its recommendations. ACMA has now announced new arrangements for the issue of VK9 call signs for the Australian external territories that represent a significant simplification. From 1 November 2009, the arrangements for the issue of a licence for the VK9 call area will be the same as for other Australian call areas. For other than visiting overseas amateurs, licences issued to authorise operation in the external territories, VK9, will be issued for the period requested by the applicant. Unless a short-term licence is specifically requested, the licence will not be subject to a renewal bar. This provision applies regardless of whether the applicant is a visitor or permanent resident or does not provide a station address. Apparisus licences issued to visiting overseas amateurs will be issued for a period of one year unless a short-term licence is specifically requested. Licences issued to overseas visiting amateurs will not be automatically renewed. Where a station address cannot be provided, for example on an uninhabited island, the station location will be the name of the island. Under the new provisions, all VK9 licensees, including overseas visitors, will be able to operate under the portable provisions of the Amateur Licence Conditions Determination in any external territory or mainland, state or territory. The issue about call signs identifying the location attracted the most interest. Call signs allocated to 
amateur licences authorising operation in external territories will no longer contain a letter indicating a specific operating location. BK9 call signs will continue to reflect the licence category, Advanced Standard or Foundation. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Hams across Australia on Spud VK8ZWM on behalf of the Darwin Amateur Radio Club. From Northern VK2, the Pretty Gallery Repeater VK2RBR has been repaired. The wind associated with recent dust storms brought down antennas and made a bit of a mess of them, besides one coax getting wrapped around the blades and shaft of the wind generator. They've been rebuilt and put up again, and it's now working on a single dipole on each of transmit and receive, instead of the phase pair for each. At the antenna phasing box on each antenna, the sealant had failed, and the internals were severely corroded. Now all is good, thanks to all those who helped with the repairs. In VK3 News, Sherbrook Community Radio Club would like to thank all the amateurs who helped out over the Jota weekend. Scouts from three trips and one group of guides attended their shack over the two days. From this introduction to amateur radio, there will be a number of kids who will get into ham radio. Without the older radio amateurs helping youth into the hobby, it would remain an older person's activity. Sherbrooke Community Radio Club's ARIS contact takes place at Sherbrooke Community School on the 28th at 0713 UTC. As the link will not be in Australia, you'll not be able to hear the downlink or uplink. But if you tune to VK3RBY or VK3RML or Echolink AMSAT server G7EVY, you'll be able to hear the contact. From VK4, Tarkadians on the high seas. Townsville Ham's currently at sea and sending position data by windlink which eventually ends up in the APRS. VK4HBV David on board Sahula northbound. Last report David in Kokova, Greece, near the Lycian Way. He's cruising near GN Isles until late 2011. And if you're visiting the region, call David on 0539503-9532 and arrange to have a little friendly cruise. View the sailing blog at the web address in this week's text news. Best read at wia.org.au. Look for weekly broadcast. And news from the top end, VK8. The Darwin Amateur Radio Club had two stations active during January on the air last weekend. The guides from around Darwin were at the club rooms on VK8DA and had a good time with quite a few good contacts. The scouts gathered at Howard Springs in Darwin's rural area where VK8BP was set up. HF conditions were a little poor, but some useful contacts were made. Thank goodness for IRLP and Echolink during this period of no sunspots. 87 Joeys, Cubs, Venturers and Rovers were there doing all manner of communications related activities. The next meeting of the Darwin Amateur Radio Club is at the club rooms in Sports House, Waratah Crescent, Fanny Bay on Wednesday the 4th of November at 7pm. And don't forget the AGM is on the 2nd of December. Nominate now for a position on the club committee. The club Christmas dinner is at the Hidden Valley Tavern at 7pm on Thursday, December the 3rd. This has been VK8ZWM on behalf of the Darwin Amateur Radio Club. And now it's back to VK1WIA News Central. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. International news with thanks to RSGB, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, EDZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. G5RV's logbook sells. On October 1st, the 1932 logbook of Lewis Varney G5RV was put up for auction on eBay. 
within a couple of days. The price reached £77, where it stayed until after some intense bidding. The logbook finally sold for £227. The logbook shows that G5RV's final QSOs were on January 11, 2000. Varney was, of course, using a G5RV antenna that he designed for those final contacts. Ironically, the final entries appeared on page 7.3 of the logbook. 12th Ham Fair in Lisbon. If you're off to Portugal on holiday next month, you may be interested to know that the 15th of November sees a major ham fair in Lisbon. This is one of the biggest events in Portugal and aims to be more than just a show with new and second-hand goods as visitors enjoy meeting new and old amateur friends and hams from around the globe. Researchers say they have created a special kind of paint which can block out wireless signals. Here is Frank, VK2FJL. It means security-conscious wireless users could block their neighbours from being able to access their home network without having to set up encryption. Now the paint contains an aluminium iron oxide which resonates at the same frequency as Wi-Fi or other radio waves, meaning the airborne data is absorbed and blocked. By coating an entire room, signals can't get in and, crucially, can't get out. It was developed by the University of Tokyo and the paint could cost as little as £10 per kilogram, so the researchers claim. Looks like Hamshack's getting a facelift on a new paint job. This has been VK2FJL reporting for Westlake Seminar Radio Club on behalf of the VK1 WIA National News. From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. I'm Felix, VK4FUQ. Operational News, One Air Contest Column, Dateline 2009. October 24 and 25, CQ Worldwide SSB. November 1, ZL Strait Key Night. November 28 and 29, VK Spring VHF UHF Field Day. November 28 and 29, CQ Worldwide CW. Time to get ready for this year's VHF UHF Field Day, held on the weekend 28 and 29 November. Some details have come to light courtesy of the NER Club and VK3, which we share here. The VHF UHF field days provide VHF UHF operators with the opportunity to head for the hills and see how far they can work. The field days has sections for single and multiple operators with 24 at 8 hour sections. There is also a separate home station section. The scoring is based on grid locator squares. Each new square work gives quite a boost to the score and this encourages the engines to operate from locations in grid squares that don't normally have a great amount of amateur activity. There are no made restrictions except that all contacts must be simplex. No repeaters, internet or satellites allowed. There is plenty of FM activity, but one feature of the field days is a higher level of SSB activity. Stations can do very well with modest antennas and equipment from a good hilltop. Operating mobile from more than one grid square can also improve scores. See the WIA web contest page for more details. In the X News... Another DX cluster for mobile phones. The GB7 MBC DX cluster is now available for those with mobile smartphones. Web pages have been created to make it simple to use the cluster when mobile. Although designed for iPhone, they have been tested on BlackBerry, Android and the Nokia N95. It should work with most smartphones. The pages feature filtering and the capability to click on a DX call sign to get the QRZ information for it. 
The cluster is available at the web address in our text edition of this news. Finally, in this segment this week, in SWL News, we learned that Radio Sweden is to stop issuing QSL cards. With the start of the new transmission period for shortwave and mediumwave, as well as satellite, on October 25, Radio Sweden will only be publishing its broadcast schedule on the web. At the same time, Radio Sweden is discontinuing mailing QSL cards to listeners in response to reception reports. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, Inningham. News, talk and radio sport, here with VK1 WIA. Getting very serious with ham radio contests. Every major sport has some time or another suffered from cheating, whether it be athletes using illegal substances to enhance performance, taking a risk that the officials won't notice that the rules are being flouted, or just falsifying the score sheet. So it should come as no surprise that amateur radio contests can be subject to cheating too. The issue is gaining greater publicity through the disqualifications to be handed out by the CQ Worldwide Contest Committee. It has introduced a yellow card and a red card system, just like a soccer referee. For a low-level indiscretion, a yellow card will be issued, making the entrant ineligible for an award. But two yellow cards in three consecutive contests mean a two-year ban. For higher-level matters, a red card means the submitted log is rejected and no score recorded. The entrant or operator is banned for 12 months and listed at the end of the contest results for all to see. Get two red cards and there's a three-year ban. Serious business indeed. Cards are issued for breaches of contest rules or the operating requirements of a country. Unsportsmanlike conduct such as using non-amateur radio means to prearrange contacts contrary to the rules or taking credit for excessive unverifiable QSOs or multipliers. Hopefully this innovation will discourage those who don't abide by the rules or are outright cheats. I'm Jim Linton, VK3PC, and you're listening to VK1WIA. Counting down to our centenary, we are the Wireless Institute of Australia, the world's oldest amateur radio society. WIA and the National News Service, to contact the National Newsroom, one and only email address is nationalnews at wia.org.au. Taking a quick look at wireless weather, Peter Ellis, VK1PE, has spotted an odd story about the sunspot cycle. Some of us just know that daylight saving fades the curtains, but now it's been proved that sunspots affect the growth of tree rings. Ms Sigrid Dengel, a postgraduate researcher at the Institute of Atmospheric and Environmental Science at the University of Edinburgh, has investigated the interannual variation in the growth rings formed by Sitka spruce trees in northern Britain over the period of 1961 to 2005, finding that there was a consistent and statistically significant relationship between growth of the trees and the flux density of galactic cosmic radiation. Moreover, there was an underlying periodicity in growth, with four minimum since 1961, resembling the periodic cycle of galactic cosmic radiation, which corresponds to the 11-year cycle of sunspots. The more sunspots, the greater flux of the solar wind and the lesser the flux of the galactic cosmic radiation. She said the relation of the rings to the solar cycle was much stronger than it was to any of the climatological factors we had looked at. 
Now does this explain why my cherry tree is flowering so well this year? For National Radio News, I'm Peter Ellis, VK1PE. The Q News Workbench. The Nuts and Volts Report. Measure twice, cut once. I'm Ray, VK4ZW. Wi-Fi signals used to see through walls. Monday's edition of the UK Telegraph reports that scientists at the University of Utah in the United States have found a way to harness Wi-Fi signals to see through solid walls. The researchers say that the variation of radio signals in a wireless network can reveal the movements of people behind closed doors or even a wall. Joe Wilson and Neil Patwari from the University of Utah have used the principles of variance-based radio tomographic imaging. The system works by measuring interference between the nodes of wireless devices. If someone passes through that field, the device registers a change in the levels of resistance and feeds that information back to a computer. The system can currently see about three feet through a wall and is so far only capable of sensing motion. At this stage, it is not sophisticated enough to generate an actual image of what lies beyond the wall, but the research team is confident that this feature could be developed in time. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's worldwide special interest group news. And today we look at ATV, AMSAT and ALARA. Yes, a AAA rating for the special interest group news segment. ALARA, the Australian Ladies AR Association. Their net is held each Monday on 3.580 MHz, commencing at 1000 hours UTC. Now, Alara had a great turnout for the VK5 September lunch with visitors from interstate and overseas. Marilyn VK3DMS and her OM Jeff VK3ACZ were there for the Adelaide Hills buy and sell, and Pat VK3OZ was there with Sharon ZL3AE and Glenn, who were visiting from New Zealand. Everyone in South Australia knew that Marilyn would be presented with a Certificate of Appreciation for her 27 years of service on the committee. AMSAT VK Unofficial HFNet. A reminder that it's on the second Sunday of each month, which makes it this Sunday the 25th. And the broadcast is at 1000 hours UTC on 3.685 MHz. AMSAT NA announces new FM CubeSat. AMSAT North America says that it's once again headed back into space, this time with a brand new CubeSat that will be like no other before it. During the board meeting held on October the 8th in conjunction with the annual space symposium, the AMSAT board of directors adopted the engineering task force recommendation that low-cost launch options should be pursued immediately. This means that the AMSAT engineering team will develop a 1U CubeSat design effective immediately. The new AMSAT CubeSat's initial capability is planned to add to the popular low-Earth orbit FM transponder fleet, allowing hams to use their existing handheld and portable antenna systems. Such a satellite also continues the accessible entry path for new satellite operators to get started. Meanwhile, word that the flight version of RSAT-1, the replacement for SuitSat-2, has been developed to be adaptable into the CubeSat model. This will allow a modular approach to mission design using proven subsystems and components. The RSAT-1 mission planned in 2010 will be the initial flight test of AMSAT's modular satellite. 
according to Tony Monterio, AA2TX, who is the AMSAT North America's Vice President of Engineering, this approach to building flight hardware gets AMSAT back up into space with new satellites by leveraging the skills and technology it has today. AMSAT says that there's another reason for this fast-track approach. This is because the existing FM satellites are starting to show their age. And to ATV. And we leave this special interest group news segment with this Reist ATV report by Justin VK7 Tango Whiskey. We've had some great roll-ups each Wednesday night and last week was no exception. Ken VK7DY brought along a very special guest in Gary Bryant VK3KYF who is the president of the VK3 Sunraysia radio group based in Mildura. Ken and Justin interviewed Gary on live ATV and we found out what makes Gary tick and what the Sunraysia Radio Club gets up to, including some great support for the amateurs in the Swan Hill area. Gary and XYL have been touring this fine state of VK7 and dropped in to say g'day. Oh, and a stop press. We've just taken delivery of the new DVB-T digital ATV transmitter components and these are currently being housed in a suitable box. And we finish today with a great big thank you to Jack VK2TRF who lent the Reist ATV group a DVB-S transmitter to try for a few months. Hmm, and that was almost a year ago. Thanks, Jack. And I'm Justin, VK7 Tango Whiskey for VK1WIA. Well, that does take us to the end of WIA National News for yet another week. On the social scene, still to come in October, November, October 25 today in VK3 sees the Ballarat Amateur Radio Group's annual hamvention. October 31 through November 1, Queensland Sunshine Coast's October Camp Catch-Up. That's at the Maidenwell Observatory, Brisbane Valley, just west of Yarraman. November 1 in VK2, Westlake Amateur Radio Club's Field Day. November 15, VK4, Queensland Club's President Lunch at Gbung RSL. And November 29 in VK2, the final trash and treasure at VK2WI for the year. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported... You decide.